Evite says the average American hasn't made a new friend in five years. I was going to be shocked at first, but true, true. (laughs) My first curiosity is when did Evite jump into friendship research? (laughs) People are still sending Evites, I guess. Oh, I hate when I get those. I can never open it. I click it and that little envelope be halfway flipping over and it don't flip all the way over. Frustrating. Mm, I'm just going to call you and say in 30 minutes. (laughs) Hop on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) That's the type of friend my friend Zakia is. I'm TT. And I'm Zakia. And from Spotify, this is Dope Labs. friendships are always being tested but more so now because of quarantine yes we know some of your friends partied on the fourth and now they want to come over to your house so uh what you're gonna do y'all not coming to my house with your covid shirts and your covid pants and your covid hands i'm not not in my house not here let me tell you she is laying down the law and it's firm a couple of weeks ago was my birthday she showed up and stood out there in the blazing hot sun Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 feet from my door with Mm -hmm. her mask on. I'm surprised you didn't have on goggles on top of your glasses. (laughs) I'm not playing around. I don't want to get sick and I don't want to get other people sick. I'm thinking about the global community. But some of y'all do not care. But you do care. And that's something that I love about you as a friend. This TT is the most caring. Thank you, friend. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) We need something to balance out because you know on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Ruthless. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm super excited about this episode today, though, because we are talking all about friendship. And I know friendship has been on some of y'all's minds because I see you subtweeting. You're subtweeting folks when Insecure is on. Yes. Everybody's like, oh, I know a Molly. And I see a lot of people pointing fingers at Molly's in their lives, but it's so funny because none of y'all are saying y'all are Molly. How is that possible? Mm. (laughs) You got to hold that mirror up and you got to say self. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all already know we're best friends, but for this episode, we wanted to hear from some other best friends too. So we brought in real life best friends and hosts of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend, Ann Friedman and Aminati So. My name is Ann Friedman. I'm Aminati So. We co-host the podcast Call Your Girlfriend and we co-wrote the book Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. It's available July 14th wherever you buy books, but especially at your local indie bookshop or please borrow it from your local library. I already read it. I already read it and... I have my hard copy (laughs) pre-ordered. You'll hear them chiming in throughout the episode with their own experiences and thoughts about friendship. Let's get into the recitation. So what do we know? Well, we know most people have friends. Now, those friends you have might range in likability, but they're there. (laughs) Yeah, some friends are better than others, and some friendships are just for a season. And some friendships turn into a podcast. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But what do we want to know? I feel like people use the term friend so loosely these days. So I want to know, how do you define a friend? Like a real friend? Yeah. And what makes a good friend? Conflict, 
is going to arise in every relationship. So mm-hmm. how do you navigate those waters? And if you feel like you need to part ways with that friend, how do you break up? You know, I often hear humans are social creatures, but is that unique to us? You know my stance. We're all just animals. So (laughs) is there evidence of friendship in other animals? And during this time in quarantine, when we're all in our houses and not able to meet up with our friends like we normally do, what do we do to combat those feelings of loneliness that we have because we're all separate? And we know we weren't alone with these questions. Anne and Aminatu had the same questions while writing their book. And we know that you might have the same questions, too. So let's jump into the dissection. Today's guest expert is Dr. Marissa G. Franco. Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Marissa G. Franco. I'm a psychologist and a friendship expert. We asked her all our questions about friendship and how to make the most of it. Let's dive right in and start with the basic definition of friendship. Merriam-Webster says friendship is the state of being friends, but that's not really helpful. (laughs) What happened to not using a word to define another word? Did y'all learn that rule? (laughs) Merriam, That's exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does it define a friend? It says a friend is a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. But the rap group Houdini told us that the dictionary doesn't really know the meaning of friends. So we asked Dr. Franco. But for me personally, I feel like I define a friendship as uh, a relationship where there's mutual love that rejuvenates and replenishes me. Aminatu and Anne explained the term that they coined, big friendship. I think we were really looking for a term that was not best friend, and also, you know, something beyond, like, bestie or BFF, which feels, you know, a little younger. Like, we're in an adult friendship with its own adult pros and cons. <laughs> and um, and big friendship felt like an important way of staking out some new language for the kind of long-term, really mutually supportive and intimate friendship that we have. And it sounds like you all have, too. So it's kind of like best friends, but in a suit. All grown up. But what makes a good friend? Dr. Franco gave us three main things you should expect if you're looking for a good friend or want to be one. The first one is a good friend should be rooting for you. When we really become a friend with someone, we begin to incorporate them into our sense of our own identity. So what that means is that like, if they feel hurt, we feel hurt. If they feel good, we feel good. The boundaries between ourselves and other people emotionally decrease when we become friends with someone. The second thing is that there should be some shared vulnerability. Where you're sharing and revealing things about yourself and they're doing the same. And the third thing is that you guys support one another. I like to say that a friendship in general should be 50-50 in the book of the friendship, but each chapter will be different. In times of crisis, one friend is, might need 100 while you're getting zero. Um, and that's going to be shifting over time. That sounds good overall, but getting that balance just right can be tricky. Yeah, because I'm sure some friends, when you're given 25% and they have to give 75%, they might feel some type of way. Here's what Anne says about this. And I think that's that's generally true. Um, but what's hard about it, like living it in real time, is like you don't know what the whole book is like. You know, all you know is the chapter you're in and the chapters that have come before. That is such a good point. Like when you think about it, 
How do you know when it's your turn to carry the heavy load or if you should just cut your losses? Sometimes that can feel like a lot of work for someone who's just a friend. But Dr. Franco tells us that's exactly the problem, framing it as just friendship. We need to give friendship more dignity. It's not an inferior form of a relationship. We shouldn't be asking people, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get a husband? We should ask them like, have you found community? Because that's what's most important, like that you feel a sense of belonging with other people. And the research shows us that these three points are important for friendships and romantic relationships. The research says that one of the best predictors of whether people stay together and are satisfied with their romantic relationships is whether they feel like they're friends with their partner. So friendship does matter. And so friendship is actually part of what rom- what makes romantic relationships last, like the sense of I feel like you fully see me. I feel like I'm fully seen by you. I feel like we show up for another and support one another. All of those traits that we see in our friends are also what makes romance buzz and continue and be sustained. You already know how I feel about friendship. Yes. Zakia is, how do I say this? Zakia is an intense friend. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. friend, but in bold <laughs> italics <laughs> and underlined. <laughs> well... Just for the record, we know friendship can literally change your life. Absolutely. My life would not be the same without Zakia. We would not be doing this podcast if Zakia were not my friend. Well, I meant more along the lines of what studies show us, but yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Studies show us that friends improve your self-confidence, your self-worth, and help you cope with trauma and more. There's a correlation between a strong social support network and lower risk for health problems like depression, high blood pressure, and high BMI. So we're getting double the benefits, friendship and health. But Aminatu says you still have to do the work to get your friendship to that point. And that can be tricky. There is not a lot of social support for how you're supposed to be in a friendship. I always feel awkward when I have friend drama in a way that I don't feel awkward when I have romantic drama. I'm always like, uh, I know how to deal with that. You know, I'm, I'm like, I have scripts for that. You know, I was like, television says you like key their car or you do, th-, you know, like, not that I'm saying that that's what you're supposed to do. I just think that there's there's so much like visual imagery for like to represent a kind of internal turmoil that you can have. But like telling your friend, like if I got a text from a friend that was like, we need to talk, I'm like, I am already halfway to Uganda. I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't need to talk to you. Right. No one wants to have those awkward conversations. But after you have them, I feel like it makes you grow stronger. Yeah, it's like the whole like pressure makes diamonds things. I think that can also apply to friendship. Like, The hard times makes it more beautiful. We asked Aminatu and Anne how to make friendship more official. So how do you get to the point where you're in lockstep and just unbreakable? It feels weird to say, hey, friend, I know we just met, but are you ready to take this friendship to the next level? Hearing you say that makes me think about um, a communications professor we interviewed who was saying that one of the hallmarks of friendships that last a long time is that they contain these assurances wherein you have said out loud to each other that, hey, we want to be friends for a long time. This actually happened in me and Zakia's friendship where we said out loud, or Zakia said out loud that we were going to be friends (laughs) friends forever. (laughs) Me and Zakia had a disagreement. Do you remember what it was about? I have no clue. It was so long ago, and I truly do not remember. But we had a disagreement. It was very early in our friendship. And, you know, me, I felt like, okay, well, we we don't know each other that well. 
We've had this disagreement. That means we probably are not friends anymore. And so the next day, I get a text message from Zakia, and she's like, oh, come to my lab. Yeah, I mean, why not? That's what we have been doing every day before that. <laughs> and so I was like, well, dang, I guess she want to fight or something. Like, she want to argue some more. Or I don't know. <laughs> and so I went over there, and I was like, hey, girl, what's up? Because I didn't know what to expect. And she All was, standoffish. <laughs> and she was like, girl, this happened, da 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 Oh, we need to do this. We need to do that, da 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 And just was acting like nothing happened. And I was like, oh, you know, I thought you were upset. I thought we weren't friends anymore. I was devastated. Zakia started crying. Well, <laughs> if you know Zakia, you know it really doesn't take much for her to, to her eyes to well up with tears. But she was just so... She looked like she was blindsided. She was like, what? We are friends forever. <laughs> now you make me sound like a, uh, this sounds like a hostage situation. It, it is. Wasn't... It is. Someone oh, help. No. Help. Help. <laughs> I think I just thought there was some permanence that I had conveyed, you know? And I think from that, I felt like I haven't said the things to make you feel safe and secure oh. in this friendship. And so I decided right then, with that pipette, I'd be wed to friendship. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. We all know friendship is good for us. So why do we keep hitting these stumbling blocks? Why do we keep fumbling the bag? Yes, friendships are so complicated, but they are so important. And when we get back, we're going to talk about why you should prioritize your friendships. And how to navigate them once you do. We're back and we're ready to jump right into the peaks and valleys of friendship. Dr. Franco talked to us about how society has conditioned us to feel like our friendships are not important. But that's not true. Like the ways that we have our society set up, it's actually like if you're not in a romantic relationship, you're at a disadvantage. Like there's all these privileges that are afforded to people who are in a romantic relationships that are not afforded to people that live a life of deep connection through friendship. Here's Aminatu's take. Yeah, I mean, and for me, it's like that is such a reality of my life. It's like my 401k recipient is a friend. My The person who has my medical directive and power of attorney is my friend, you know. And, and every time it's, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of what happens when, um, you know, if someone challenges that policy directly. It's like I can tell you that like I have had friends come visit me in the hospital and seen like medical professionals kind of bristle a little bit at it. And I'm like, no, no, this is not just my friend. Like this is my literal person that will like, that is going to take care of, uh, you know, that's going to have to deal with a body if I don't come out of here alive. So you have to respect that bond. But I think that you're, you're really identifying like all of the ways that, you know, we minimize a really intense emotional relationship that we can have with someone because capitalism and society ultimately is shaped in a way where, um, marriage just reigns as you know this this bond that is unbreakable and i'm like all i know is divorce people so <laughs> i was like i like the the pre- the premise is flawed all this sounds good right mm, me and zakia yeah. have had a really great friendship but, but we both have friends that are no longer our friends and that is when it gets really difficult so we wanted to know how to 
navigate the conflict waters with your friends. Yes. Those are choppy waters. Hella choppy. Those are like (laughs) hurricane in the middle of the ocean waters. Open empathic conflict actually is related to having a deeper sense of friendship. But the reality is that friendship actually tends to be a relationship of things left unsaid. You're a lot less likely to mention a problem in a friendship than you are in a romantic relationship. And that's because I think people fear that if you bring something up, you know, because friendships, we don't maybe have the same amount of time together as romantic relationships or even this formal marital vow, they feel more fragile. And I think people have a lot of fear around engaging in conflict because of that. And I think that's true. I've heard of a lot of people, including myself, who just kind of stop talking to folks and don't bring up what the problem is and just say, we're just not friends anymore. We had a falling out. We grew apart or whatever. I feel like if I'm not close with someone, it's much easier for me to say, this is what's wrong. This is what's bothering me. But for my close friends, I know that when I'm upset, nobody wants to hear those words. (laughs) And I don't want to say anything that I don't mean. And so I just wait and wait. And I'm like, when are you calm? When do you feel like you've really got it it just down to a T? And by that time, I look like a crazy person. <laughs> when remember I'm like, that hey, time remember five years ago? <laughs> 37 weeks ago on a Tuesday, <laughs> you said. <laughs> I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> no, we could all use some tips on getting a conversation started when there's conflict. Like it's not something that you learn when you're six years old and then you just, you know how to be a good friend. It's like some people are good friends and some people are not. I'm like, no, it's just, you have to constantly, you are constantly challenged as a person. Dr. Franco says that there is a best way to enter into conflict with your friend. And it's based on a theory called reciprocity theory. And it's basically the idea that people respond to you how you talk to them. So if you're kind to them, they're likely to be kind in return. And if you nice and nasty, they're going to be nice and nasty back. First thing you need to do is you need to be able to enter into this conversation from a place of empathy and perspective taking. And if you feel really angry and stressed out, then that is not the time to enter the conversation. So first you need to get your get your mind and your energy right. Right. So if we're thinking about the whole conflict with Molly and Issa... Molly could have really used these steps to help her talk to Issa in a way that could have preserved their friendship and they could have been back on track a lot sooner. So first, Molly could have been like, let me not assume the worst of her. This is my friend. We've been friends for so long. Let me come into this space with my heart open and ready to forgive. Then you open up the conflict with a sentence that is welcoming and inviting and affirms the value of the friendship. So I think with my friend, I said something like, I love you. Our friendship is so important to me, which is why I want to make sure that I'm expressing things that are weighing on me so that they don't get into the way of our bond. So that's a lot better than, you know, we need to talk because I'm pissed. (laughs) So Molly could have just said, Issa, we've been friends for a really long time. And there's something that has been on my mind. It's been weighing on me. And I just got to get it off my chest because I love you. And I don't want it to get in the way of our friendship. I love that. This does not feel like an argument. Then what you do is you share your internal world. You don't tell them about what they did. You tell them about what they how what they did affected you. And that's what you share. You share that vulnerability because the vulnerability is what brings people's guards down and welcomes them to be vulnerable too. After you share your vulnerability, I statements, not you statements, not you did a horrible thing. I felt this way. And then you ask them to share their world, what was going on for them. So Molly could have said something like, 
What brought this to a head for me is when I found out that you had talked to Nathan to talk to my boyfriend about getting an act for the block party. That made me feel like you weren't taking my feelings into consideration because we had had a conversation already. And that hurt. I think that's a way better approach than how we normally handle things, which is, why was you talking behind my back? Exactly. Or I already told you. <laughs> and started a fight at Issa's job at the block party. That was so inappropriate. Last, you ask them for what you want to see in the future. So you say like something like, hey, next time when I need support, could you please just reach out to me? Going forward, because I value you as a friend and I don't want to lose you as a friend, let's just talk it out a little bit more. I think that conversation deserved more time so that maybe you could have understood my perspective a little bit better and we could have came to some other conclusion to try and help you out with the work you were doing because I know it's important to you. And it's important not to beat up on ourselves as we go through this process. Friendship is not perfect. We're all just figuring it out as we go. And Anne says she and Aminatu are no different. In defense of our past selves, we're not really trained to recognize the like the emotions associated with awkwardness or conflict within a friendship, especially the kinds of stuff we write about, which are not huge dramatic transgressions. They're like little moments when we were missing each other that later became big moments. Right, because in their book, they talk about this interaction or conflict that they had um, that surrounds this friend group called the Desert Ladies. Definitely read about it. It was very, very interesting. And it was a conflict that they ended up not really resolving. Actually, what happened is that years later, it just exploded in our faces that something that we hadn't talked about was one of the very original sins of uh, many, many disagreements that we'd had. And so I think that with the hindsight, with the knowledge of hindsight, is really understanding that if I am not comfortable about something and how I relate with someone else, like and especially a close friend, it's very possible that they have that same discomfort and they're just not saying it because it seems like a small thing. That's a really good point. And hopefully we can start to have these reminders to check in with yourself. Is this just in my head or did I say something out loud? <laughs> so someone else knows. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds crazy. Yes. Alone. Yes, it's just in my head. <laughs> no, it's not just in your head. Say those things out loud. Probably most times it's not even as serious as you think. Or it's a misunderstanding that you guys can get over. But if you keep spinning your wheels in your head and assuming and thinking like all these awful things, then it'll mm -hmm. affect your relationship downstream. So these are some good strategies. But we all know that it doesn't always turn out like this. Yes. Me and Zakia have been friends for a long time, but we also have friends that we are no longer friends with. So it doesn't always end up with a podcast. <laughs> so when you got to do it, what's the best way to break up with a friend? I would say that the answer is going to differ depending on how close you are. If you're kind of like casual acquaintances, I think it's okay to like just kind of back away or, or be busy. But once you get into the stage where you're like actually close and you're actually friends, you want to have a direct conversation. And the reason that is, is because if you don't, you trigger something called ambiguous loss. And ambiguous loss is when people can't process an ending because they didn't get the necessary closure. And so it leads them to ruminate and obsess. It's kind of like ghosting. Ghosting is an ambiguous loss. Um, and they're not able to move forward. And, and so you take away another person's peace if you're not able to 
I guess, sacrifice your peace. I know this happens from personal experience. When I was an undergrad, I had a group of friends and I'm still friends with some of them and some of them I'm not. I mean, it's not, there's no bad blood or anything like that. We just, you know, grew apart. But then when I was in grad school, I had one of those friends find me and reach out. Like I hadn't talked to them in five, six years. And they were like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm good. Yo, how have you been? And then they said, you know, I've really been feeling really bad about the way our friendship ended. And I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about because I don't remember. Wow. And I and I, I told them I can't remember anything. I can't remember what happened. I just remember us kind of not talking anymore. But there was no like ill will. There was no hard feelings. I did not hate them or not like them. I didn't even know really myself what happened. It just felt like we just grew apart. I've definitely been on the other end of that, on the other end of the stick, you know? So we told the story about a a less casual relationship, but one of my big friendships, we had uh, a falling out and it was just, just like Anne and Aminatu said, it was the piling up of things left unsaid, Mm -hmm. right? It was the weight of a thousand murmurs. So... If you always get along with somebody, you never sharpen those tools to help you navigate conflict. And so when it comes along, even if it's tiny, you don't do anything about it. And it piles up and it piles up and it piles up. And then the whole thing just breaks. Mm. And I think it was not only difficult for the two of us, but I think it was difficult for all of our friends around us. Right. Because we had been this inseparable duo for eight years up until this point. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was just like no more. Wow. And eventually, you know, we use some of these tools to to get back to a better place, but it was not easy. You know, we assume that the only pain we experience from relationships is romantic relationships, but friendship can also be a real heavy loss for people too. And there's less of a space to grieve. It's just like, well, that was just a friend. It wasn't your partner. It wasn't your husband. It wasn't your wife. But like, Friends cut deep. They can be just as close as like our romantic partners. We need to start making safe spaces for folks to grieve their lost friendships. The ghost of friendship past. That's what I call them. Because it's sad. Some people have, you have these friends for years. Yeah. And they know everything about you. They've helped you through really, really tough times. And so when the friendship ends, it hurts. So we've covered all these different angles of having a friend, having conflict with a friend, and then breaking it off with a friend. But something we haven't discussed is loneliness that you can feel even when you do have friends. And this is more likely to happen now, especially with all of this increased social distancing. Yeah, I think it's been really tough. This is something that none of us have ever experienced before. And so even though, you know, we're tapped into social media, everybody's going on IG Live and everything like that, I mean, it does feel really lonely in quarantine. So we asked Dr. Franco, what do you do? How do you work through loneliness? When we get into a state of loneliness, we have two desires. One is to connect with other people. And the other is to protect ourselves by disconnecting from other people. People become far more threatening than they are when we're not lonely. Oh, okay. So it feels like a heavier lift to reach out to people when you're feeling lonely And so you're less likely to do it. And so what the research finds is that basically 
when you're lonely and you interact with people, you're more likely to assume that they're rejecting you. Wow, that's really crazy. Your own brain tricking you like that. It'd be your own brain. But the most effective intervention for loneliness has actually been helping people deal with their thoughts and feelings that come out of loneliness. Because once you're able to recognize that that's your lonely brain speaking, you are able to do the work of reaching out. And so there's this really fascinating technique called the third person method. The third person method is when you talk to yourself in the third person. So I'd say Zakia is lonely right now, but Zakia is worried about being rejected. And yes, that feels both weird and goofy. But what it does is generate some psychological distance in my brain. So it allows me to kind of distance what I'm going through from what my thoughts are and what's beneath my thoughts. And you begin to realize, okay, the thoughts I'm having aren't necessarily my reality. This was so eye-opening because I feel like I don't know a lot of stuff about myself and like how good of a friend I am or how bad of a friend I am. And so now I have these cues that I can think of when I'm interacting with my friends to try and be the best friend that I can be. Yeah, there's definitely some great tools in here. You know, I pride myself on really cultivating my friendships. You do. You know? mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, girl, you got to go back to the drawing board. And based off the stories that you tell me about when you were a kid, you have not changed. Like you have always <laughs> been. No, for real. You've always been this really great friend that's really in tune with her friends And people just love being around you. And you really like to bring people into the fold, as you say. But that's not unique to me. A lot of what happens in our childhood really influences how we make friends as adults. Here's Aminatu. The reason that we write about our childhood so much and how we grew up and how we were in our family is that actually so much of that informs the kind of friend that you are to people. Like I come from a family where... Um, it's not that we don't fight. I'm like, we fight and then like people don't talk to each other for 10 years. You know, like that is, it is, <laughs> that is the baggage that I grew up with. When Anne writes about her, um, about her childhood, it helped me understand so much about where she was coming from also. And I was like, oh, now when we relate to each other, I understand that she comes from people that are deeply loyal. They will never let you go anywhere, um, you know, and And there is like a security in that. But I think that not, you know, giving each other truly the benefit of like, yeah, sure. Like we we met 10 years ago, but I was a whole human being when I met Anne. And I, you know, and I was a I had a way that I was then. And now the person that I am today is very much informed by this relationship that I've had. But it also means that all of that other baggage is always there underneath. You know, and that's the thing about friendship. Because now you're about to get me on my soapbox, you know. (laughs) Here, let me let me put it in place. (laughs) Sit it down on the ground for me, TT. Let me step up. (laughs) I think, you know, yes, you are this whole person. But I think there's some real truth to that saying that you are, you know, the company that you keep. Yes. And I can say, you know, since becoming friends with you, I have I feel like a lot of my world has just blossomed. The things I was like, oh, no, girl, that's not my arena. I don't think I can do that. You are a Duracell battery in the back, okay? (laughs) (laughs) If you say you might want to go to the moon, my friend is like, do you have your suit ready? Do you have all the things that you need ready? Here, I'm here to help you. Do you have your freeze-dried food? I mean, you, you you bring such an energy and enthusiasm and care for others, 
right? That makes you feel almost like you can do anything, which is why I'm out here trying all the crazy stuff (laughs) because I know my friend got my back, you know? That's because I know my friend can do it. And she also brings that energy to me in that she comes up with these ideas that she thinks is crazy, but I'm like, you have to have a certain level of confidence in yourself and your abilities to even come up with these ideas. And so that inspires me to have more and more ideas and not say, oh, that's stupid. Oh, that's not your lane. You can't do that. And Zaki is like, no, all these lanes are ours. <laughs> yeah. And it's she, enough lanes for everybody. <laughs> yes. And so the enthusiasm that I bring to her, she also feeds to me as well. So it just feels like this this friendship, this big friendship that we fostered over the last 10 plus years is such a beautiful thing. And I am so Glad that we are here. I just want that for everybody. Yeah. Everybody should have a Zakia. No, that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I mean, I want that big friendship for everybody, you know? Yes. And I think if you are out there and you are listening to this episode right now, that you need to make sure that you get on social media and tag your friends, your besties, the people that you've been riding with for a little bit or a long time. And so, th- so that we can see and we can share it on our page. Yes, I can't wait to see all the big friendships. That's it for Lab 26, but we have so much more for you to dig into on our website. So go to dopelabspodcast.com. On our website, you can find a cheat sheet for today's lab, along with a ton of other links and resources in the show notes. And if you want to stay in the know with Dope Labs, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on our site, too. Special thanks to our guest expert, Dr. Marissa G. Franco. She's writing a book called Platonic. You can find out more info on her website, drmarissagfranco.com. Also, special thanks to our guest hosts and fellow best friends, Anne Friedman and Amina Tussauds. Their new book, Big Friendship, comes out July 14th. Go to bigfriendship.com to pre-order yours today. Yes. Also, we love hearing from you. What did you think about today's lab? Do you have ideas for future labs? Call us at 202-567-7028 and let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dope Labs Podcast. TT is on Twitter at dr underscore tsho, and you can find Zakia at z said so. Follow us on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Dope Labs is produced by Jenny Radelit Mast of Wave Runner Studios. Mixing and sound design are by Hannes Brown. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura, with additional music by Elijah LX Harvey. Dope Labs is a production of Spotify and Mega O Media Group, and it's executive produced by us. Titi Shodia and Zakia Watley. I want to see, was anybody else doing rap squat poses? You know, I want to see <laughs> yeah, what I you were doing do. with your friends. <laughs> yes, we, you're a queen we have of one from just a few, <laughs> from just a, a year or so. A few months ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it.